in black or leopard print. Um, who here is a really good driver? Oh, Shane, Shane you, you put your hand up because Carolyn's out in the other room. So that's the thing, you, you've just gone, I can get away with this. There, there, no one's going to dispute me in this, in this moment, right? Um, I saw that Nina got gestured to. Um, is that from the driving instruction that you've received, Ian, from, from Nina as you've been driving? No? No? That's, oh, that's excellent. That must be great for your insurance premiums. That, that's, that's a dream for me. What's that? You've only hit a car that wasn't moving. So it wasn't even a moving target. It's funny, April, because Charles boasts to me all the time about how good a, good a driver he is. But now that you're sitting next to him, he, 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 won't, he won't tell me about how good driving he is. Uh, we used to go out in my, my Toyota 86, you know, just to think about how manly I was in my hairdresser's car. And Charles used to love that car. He used, he used to always say, oh, and you pick me up so we can go in the, the Batmobile. Boys don't really get over Batman, do they? They kind of, they get into Batman at, at grade three and then um, somewhere in their mid-80s they start to think, oh, maybe Batman isn't for me anymore. Maybe I'm a Superman person now. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not a particularly great driver. Now, many of you would already know this. If you were my insurance company, you would definitely, definitely know this. I actually have no demerit points lost at this point of time, which is, which is great. It's the first time in known history that I've had that kind of situation. But... Um, I am known to, uh, to have an accident or, or two. I don't really get out of that um, three-year period with AAMI of have you not had an accident for however long? Because I'm a bit of a... Uh, maybe I'm a, a bit too creative in my driving. Maybe that's, that's a nice way of putting it. I'm highly distracted. I can't, I can't, I can't listen to an audio book, right? Because if I'm driving and listening to an audio book, I'll just I'll be looking at butterflies, the birds, anything around me, thinking about something else. I just go into no man's land, right? And thinking about something else. And next minute, um, I've put a Camry up the back of it of a Ute, um, or I've driven off the road. It's not as bad as Jordan Wakelin, who got distracted and drove into a bus stop and. Um, and then when his car wouldn't start, just got out, caught the bus and went home. And his dad got a call from the police the next day that the, your car is parked in, in a bus, bus stop. And Darren um, asked the question, oh, what do you mean? It's in the, the bus stop. No, it's in the bus stop. It's in the, the shelter. Um, so me and Geordie found each other and just highly, um, highly competent drivers. I tend to look at things, right? And when I, when I look at it, I'll just move towards it. I did this on the way to your wedding, actually, driving through the Panton Hill area. Saw a, a nice house that had a pink door. I remember because I was thinking about the pink door. Next minute, Chanel's yelling at me about going off the road and how I'm going to kill us all and all this, this stuff. I'm, I'm not, 
not particularly a well-focused driver. It happened, it happened again yesterday. Actually, it was on the same road. Maybe that road is the problem. It was the same pink door. There we go. So maybe it's just pink doors. Anyway, if I focus on it, right, I'm going towards it. It's just, it's, it's inadvertent. If I'm eyes up front, it's good. Off on the flowers on the side, canola fields are like just terrible. Long, it would terrify some of you to know that I, I was uh, a regional manager for many years. For about five years, I drove regionally around Victoria and was on the road for most of my, my job. And so um, I also had a lot of accidents. That's, uh, that's the other side, of, other side of that. So has anyone else ever found that? You look at something on the road and you're then suddenly driving towards it. Everyone else is so much better drivers than me. So this is the implicit, this is the implicit, right? The implicit idea here is that you all think that you're great drivers. You just wouldn't put up your hand before. Or you keep your eyes on the road. Well, listen, I've been in the car with you, Charles. It's a terrifying experience. But it's often right that we look at something, we focus on it, and we're off, we're off veering towards it, right? We've got our eyes on it. My parents, right? When they were early married, they, had, they borrowed my, my Nornor's fruit truck and, and it, it's very out of, out of character, but Dale Flannery's looking out the, the window at a, at a satellite and then next minute Marie Flannery's looking at a, at a satellite and the next minute the truck's in a field on its side. When we focus on something, right... Well, they didn't end up in space, fortunately. But you focus, you focus on something and you're, you're moving off the road. You're suddenly adrift. You're suddenly not moving towards or on the road that you should be on. And, you know, often those kind of situations can end up in, in tragedy, can end up in, in people in real trouble or, or, you know, situations where everyone else around that driver is, is very unsafe. Um, but we have a central focus as Christians that we should absolutely keep our eyes on, don't we? A central focus, and that's Jesus. He is central to our Christian walk. He is central to who we are as Christians, and often we find ourselves as Christians not focusing our, uh, our gaze upon our Saviour, on the one who, it, who we should be all about, right? We're Christians. That's what we call ourselves, Christians, right? That we focus on Christ. We don't focus on, we're not, well, Republicans. We might be, we're not Collingwood supporters, you know. We're not a particular... Yeah, we're not focusing on all this peripheral stuff. The core and center of our focus should be Christ. But what we set our eyes upon often is what we head towards inadvertently. When we set our eyes on other things, our focus on other things inadvertently, instead of heading towards Christ or developing a Christward perspective of life, we, d- we tend to develop a political, a 
talking point, a uh, theoretical or sociological view of life, don't we? We tend to develop a view that is anything but Christian. So let's have a look this morning at Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely. And you would have heard a million sermons on this next, next sentence. Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Look to Jesus. I mean, we often so focused on the line, run the race, that we don't read the next line, which is look to Jesus. We're so focused on the doing, the output, that we're not focused on Christ. Now, Jesus should be the central focus of our lives. And we should, and I like the way that, um, that Mike Frost puts it in Surprise the World, marinate ourselves in the Gospels. We should marinate ourselves in who Jesus is. It's great to get into the heavy, you know, big um, theological issues of Paul, right? It's good to get into um, the, the Old Testament and understanding all of that. But the central crux point of interpreting it all, right, is Jesus Christ. We should marinate ourselves in the Gospels. We should truly endeavor to understand who Jesus is. We should set our eyes upon him. Now, N.T. Wright, now, if you want, if you want to look at anyone who's going to be um, a good person to understand the New Testament, right, it's going to be N.T. Wright, and he's got the name for it. It's New Testament right, right? Like, you know, he's not New Testament wrong. He's not N.T. wrong. He's N.T. right. This is the guy to look at. But he's one of the foremost um, go-to guys um, for uh, New Testament theology. He was, asked, he was asked this question. It's kind of what got me thinking about this question of focus. He was asked a question, what would he tell his children on his deathbed? And he said, you know, the Gospels are often treated as the chips and dips before the red meat of Pauline theology. But I would tell my children to look to Jesus. Look to the Gospels. Now, N.T. Wright made his, made his name talking about Paul, right? He, he is all about Paul. But we do often treat the Pauline epistles as more theologically profound than the Gospels, right? 
more like red meat than the Gospels as they interpret the life of Jesus. But we need to look to Jesus. Before we look to Paul, before we look to Peter, before we look to John, before we look elsewhere, we need to look to Jesus. Now, there's two uh, words that are, that are used here in um, Hebrews uh, 12, in, ver- in verse 2, where it says, author and perfecter. Looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, there's two Greek words here. One is archegon and the other is teleton here. Archegon is author. Now, we'd know that from the English word archetype, right? Archegon. This is archetype. This is the, the author. Now, this is a Greek term that conveys the idea of a leader, a founder, an originator of something. And so in this context, when we, when we hear the word author, we kind of lose the, the meaning here. We, we lose the context. It's used to describe Jesus as the leader, the pioneer, the instigator of our faith, the one who initiated and established our faith. And he brings it to perfection or completion. And that is perfecter, finisher. He's bringing the work to maturity. Now, the word here, uh, teleton, um, means to perfect, to complete, to finish. So do you see what, what's being said here? The founder and perfecter of our faith, the founder and the finisher. Jesus is the one who has started our faith, right? He's the one who starts it in us. And he's the one who completes it. He's the beginning and the end. He not only initiates and establishes it, but he brings it to full maturity. He brings it to completion. Jesus doesn't establish it and Paul brings it to maturity. Jesus doesn't establish it and Nathan brings it to maturity in the congregation. Jesus doesn't establish it and N.T. Wright brings it to maturity. Jesus establishes the faith and he finishes it. He is the beginning and the end. The moment that we look elsewhere, the moment that we look elsewhere, we're at risk of swerving off the road. The moment that we look elsewhere, we've lost our focus. He pioneers and he finishes. And you know what? If we don't look to Jesus, we can't look like Jesus. We are called as Christians to progressively look more and more like Christ. If you become a Christian and you look less and less like Christ, there's probably an argument there that perhaps you haven't met Christ. If you meet Jesus Christ, you're called to become more and more like him. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to know Jesus and not just his character, 
right? If you're depending on me to come and give a sermon and, you know, to show you who Jesus is, then you're depending on the wrong person. Please don't look to me. Look to Jesus. The world has an imitation model of Jesus, right? It has an imitation model of Jesus. And it really, to be honest, it gets up, it gets up my nose by moralizing people who don't even know Jesus, who will moralize about who Jesus is to, to Christians, right? And you would have heard this, this a million times, the, the argument, well, Jesus just preached love and acceptance. And, you know, if his, if his followers were more like him and they just loved and accepted everyone, then I'd be a Christian, right? You've heard that before? Yeah, of course, Jesus, Jesus loved. There's no one more loving than, than who Jesus was. And he showed true love by, by putting himself on a cross and bearing the, the weight of the sin of the world, right? But Jesus said some very hard things as well, some very difficult things. Jesus said, it would, you know, the way is difficult. The moralizing is, is does, it does my head in. Or they have this character, character of Jesus or understanding of the things he said that are just downright wrong. I remember watching a show that the person on it says, you know, it's just like Jesus said, this too will pass. I'm pretty sure that's a quote by John Lennon, not by Jesus. Like, what's the, Jesus never said that. And just as much as the world can have a character of who Jesus is, Christians can have a character of who Jesus is. If we're just depending on others to develop our view of Christ. If we're depending and looking to others for our faith, we can end up modeling our life after what other people draw of Jesus for us, rather than setting our eyes on him, moving towards Jesus, becoming more like him, knowing who Jesus is. Now, our understanding of Jesus helps us model our life after him. How can we imitate Christ if we don't know him? If we don't know what he looks like? If we haven't set our eyes on him? How can we imitate Christ? If we get caught up with argument and theological powwows instead of Focusing on Jesus, you know, we need to be careful that we don't become so caught up in argument and theological, you know, muscle that we don't lose sight of the core of why those things are interesting. It's interesting to talk about theology. It's interesting to develop and grow in faith and cast down deep, deep roots of theological understanding, right? Those are interesting only because Jesus Christ is True, only because Jesus Christ is faithful, only because he is beautiful. And if we lose sight of his beauty, his grace, his magnitude, his, uh, the awesome power of his grace, if we lose sight of that, then our theology is going to go all haywire, isn't it? And we're going to be worshipping 
theological argument, not Christ. You know, I'm I, I saying this, I don't, I'm not, please hear what I'm saying, I'm not downplaying the value of Paul's writings in the New Testament, incredibly, incredibly important. And you will also have noticed that um, uh, the Gospels haven't even been opened once until this point of time um, for irony, because Paul is the one who is saying here, focus on Jesus, don't focus on me, focus on the author and perfecter, the founder and the finishers, finisher of our faith. Prioritize studying Jesus. And so if we don't look to Jesus and we don't look like Jesus, how can we ever lead others to Jesus? How can we lead people to someone that we don't know? We can only lead people to a place or to a person that we know. I once went driving with um, a guy, uh, one of my old best mates, um, and um, it's actually not Jordan. So here's a story that's not about Jordan. Uh, <laughs> um, this guy, Wes, um, we went driving. He'd just gotten his license. It was an um, XF Falcon, and he was really proud of it. Um, bought it for $500 and uh, had a rust hole from the base of the car down to the bottom so you could see the road underneath you. It was really cool. Back in the day, it was like Charles's car that had a stereo strapped in there and a, um, a lollipop stick as an accelerator or something like that. Um, we, uh, we went in this terrible car and we went for a drive somewhere we knew in Greensboro. And we went into the back streets of Greensboro and... Uh, for those who were born after the year 2000, we used to not have maps on our phones. We used to have to rely on something called a Melways. Um, and if you were really, and if you were really uh, lucky, you may have had the extended edition of the Melways with it, like rural areas in it. And um, I had a really big one because I had a panel van. And so I was able to like really spread out with my malways and, and get lost proper that way. Um, who, who remembers those times you'd be lost somewhere with the malways on your lap and they talk about how dangerous it is looking at your phone. You'd be there in a malways like E4, oh, I have no idea where I am. And you have to try and imagine that you're a little dot moving on the, the map and if you, missed, if you missed your turn off, it wouldn't tell you to do a U-turn, you know, 100 metres down the road. It would just, you'd be lost. Anyway, uh, he had this terrible car. And one thing he didn't have in that car was a Melways. Now, this is a suburban area. It seemed like we should be able to, that, like, we grew up around Greensboro. We knew the area. Well, four hours later trying to find our way back out of the, the back streets of Greensboro, we started to wonder whether or not we were ever getting out of those back streets or whether we'd wandered into some Twilight Zone episode where we were just committed to be driving around in our XF Falcon for the rest of our lives. We thought we knew the way. We thought we knew how to get around Greensboro, but we found out pretty quickly that once we were in the back streets without any guides... We had no way to get out. We were hopelessly lost. The only way out 
was to eventually see a Woolworth sign on Greensboro Plaza in the distance and try and navigate towards that. And even that was hard because you get to courts and blocked off roads and whatnot. Anyway, we didn't know the way. And you know what? If we don't know Jesus, we might inadvertently find ourselves lost in ideologies that are nothing to do with Christ. If we don't know Jesus deeply, we might inadvertently even lead others to ideologies, opinions, or lesser things than knowing Jesus Christ and knowing him well. Jesus is, or at least he should be, the guiding light for us. He should be the guiding light for missions. He should be the guiding light that we set our eyes on and move towards. You know, John Piper says mission exists because worship doesn't. And I couldn't disagree more. Because worship always exists. All people worship. It's a matter of what we worship. Watching the grand final yesterday, there are people who... That's their whole world. That, that, is, that, that was, you know, Collingwood in the grand final. Second coming's got nothing on that for some, some people, right? Like, that, that, was, that was absolute church. All people worship. It's what we worship. Fame, money, sex, power, sports, other gods, false gods, antichrists. If we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, all we'll do is reshape another idol into him. All we'll do is we'll cast a golden bull and say, here's Yahweh, worship him. We'll think we're on mission, pointing people to Jesus, but in reality, we're pointing to Donald Trump and making America great again. We'll think we're on mission and pointing to Jesus, but all we're doing is pointing to Greta Thunberg and you know, gluing our hands to, to um, Rhodes and Extinction Rebellion kind of deal. If we don't fix our eyes on Jesus, we'll think we're on mission, but we'll actually be on mission for some other ideology that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. We'll point to talking points rather than biblical truths. If we don't know Jesus will accept an antichrist. We'll accept something that has nothing to do with Jesus at all. You know, mission exists because people don't know the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the author and the perfecter. They don't recognize him. And that's why we must. If the world doesn't recognize him, we must. Kiting, if I can get you to come back up on, on keys. Because if we don't know him, we'll careen off the road into whatever might distract our focus. We need to be signposts that can point to Jesus. We must cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus 
to authentically lead others to him. Don't just rely on everybody else. Don't just rely on whatever I'm saying, whatever Charles is saying, whatever is on God TV. I mean, these are all good things, right, to fill your time with. It's good to hear the word that's being preached and to absorb it, right? I've not got anything against any of these things, but cultivate for yourself a focus that is Christward. So that we may be signposts that point to Jesus through our love, through our kindness, through our sharing of our go- the gospel, through knowing him and being able to look more like him. You know, looking to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, I think it's often not preached on because it seems so passive, right? It seems passive just looking at something. It's easier to preach about running the race that's set before us because that seems active. That seems within our control, right? While we're looking to Jesus, that seems less controllable. We often prefer to be in the driver's seat, don't we? We prefer to be controlling our circumstances, but sometimes we must trust someone else to navigate. And sometimes we need to look to someone else. In fact, all the time when it's Christ. When we're running a race, it's active. Running requires effort, endurance, determination. We have a clear path in front of us. We can see the progress we make. And when we run, we get better at running. It's something that somehow I've found some joy in of recent times. The ability to start running and then you can only run for two minutes and then you're running in 15 minutes and you're running for half an hour and then you hurt yourself and then you're out on the couch for three weeks and then you start doing it all again. The more you run, the better you get at running, right? It's very easy to, to feel good and to talk about those things because we have some degree of control over that. But when it talk about Looking to Jesus seems lazy, it seems passive. But we need to not focus on achievement. We're so focused on achievement. But Christ has achieved everything for us. We need to look to Him, focus on Jesus, not focus on what we can achieve for Jesus. It's not about inaction, but redirecting our gaze and placing our trust in Him. And that's not passive. It's not passive to look to Jesus when everything is trying to avert our gaze. Like when I set my eyes on something on the side of the road, a pink door on the way to Panton Hill, and I move towards it. What seems passive in my mind is felt very actively for those around me. Looking to Jesus leads to transformation. 
And just as my unwanted merging can have big effects on those around me, it can have a massive effect on those around us as we move to Jesus. If we look to Jesus, we'll move towards him. If we look to Jesus, if we look to him, we will move towards him. If we gaze upon him, we'll be reminded of his sacrificial love. If we gaze upon him, we'll be prompted to respond with gratitude, humility and obedience. If we gaze upon him, we'll become more like him. We'll move towards him. And if we gaze toward him, then we'll lead more to him. Let's be seeking to look more like Jesus. Let's be looking to Jesus more and more, studying his life, marinating in the Gospels, leading others to Jesus by knowing him deeply and displaying his character. So I want to ask you to do one thing. Marinate yourselves in the Gospel. Marinate yourselves in the gospel. Yes, open up the word. Read through the way that you, you, you do your Bible study. If you're doing a soap, if you're doing, you know, um, if you're doing a Bible in the year or whatever it is, read what you're doing, but marinate yourself within that in the gospels. Make the gospels part of your daily routine. If it's a verse, if it's a chapter, if it's a whole book, read the Gospels daily. Marinate yourselves in them and spend time in reflective prayer. Strive to live in a way that reflects the character of Christ so that we can show others who he truly is. Let's know him so we can point others to him. Let's look to Jesus so we may look like Jesus and lead others to Jesus. Let's know our shepherd. Will you stand with me? John chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way. That man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Jesus explained, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, 
one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, and I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the Father to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. It's not about what we do to achieve. It's not by our own merit. It's not by how hard we run. Jesus has already achieved that. He has laid down His life for us. It is on us to know the voice of our shepherd. To know His voice. To know His voice, we need to gaze upon Him. Lord God, we pray today that you would renew our focus on Christ. Jesus, renew our focus onto you. Lord God, we want to look to you. We want to know you. We want to become more like you, Jesus. And we want more people to know who you are. We want more to know your salvation, Lord God. We want more to be in relationship with you. Lord God, we pray that we would grow in deeper relationship with you, that we would know your voice. We would know what you are like, Lord God. Deepen our relationship. Deepen our relationship with you. Deepen our focus to you, in, with you, Lord God. Let us know you. In your name we pray. Amen.